Any, uh, anybody opposed to our agenda? Thank you. Uh, the next order of business is to um, take a look at our 2018 annual meeting minutes. Uh, they are found in the midst of your, um, uh, of your reports. I wish I knew the page number off the top of my head. Page 13, page 13 are the annual meeting minutes from last annual meeting. May I have a motion to accept the annual meeting minutes? Uh, Fran Caradonna got the motion. Who would like a second? Uh, David Lucas has a second. All in favor? Any opposed, any abstaining? All right, moving on. Unless there are any nominations from the floor, uh, I would move that we um, accept the report of the nominations committee and elect the following people to the vestry. Uh, to the vestry for a second term, your um, current senior warden, Shirley Mensah. Uh, for her first term, after fulfilling one year of an unexpired term, Megan Onder Cooper. She was Onder when she's elected, now she's Onder Cooper. Uh, and for a first term, Warren Davis. Uh, for the position of uh, or delegate to the diocesan convention, that's a three-year term for the next three years, uh, Colleen Hegarty. And because of the bishop election coming up this year, we have nominated both of the alternates. The first alternate is Elena Alberon, and the second alternate is Scott Ferguson. Can I have a motion to accept the nominations committee's uh, nominations uh, and vote by acclamation? Uh, we have, sorry, Ron or Bob? Bob. Um, Bob, help me with the last name, Bob, sorry. Niederinghaus has moved. Do I have a second? Lynn Wolf had seconded. All in favor? Any opposed? So, um, may we have a vote by acclamation. Let's give thanks for those who are willing to serve. Thank you all, Warren Davis and all Vestry members. We will have a huddle uh, immediately following this annual meeting to elect officers and to set our first Vestry meeting uh, for this year. Next on the agenda, the Junior Warden's Report. Okay, my report's on page eight. Um, I just really want to highlight a few things. Everything's gone really well this year. All of the changes we've done have been because of growth, growth at this congregation. So we've expanded the choir room. We've built the nursery up here. Um, we've redone this room to accommodate better breakfast formats and the adult forum. And then the biggest thing we've done is working with consultants to prepare for the next 150 years. We've really spent a lot of time looking at our buildings, our facilities, and everything to really prepare for the capital campaign. 
um, so we have really detailed analysis of where we are and where to focus as we go forward. Um, the one thing that didn't wait for the capital campaign was the boiler. It, it decided it didn't want to wait another year, so we were able to replace that this fall. Um, and really, I just want to say thank you to Cheyenne Lovelett, who's our Director of Operations. Um, Cheyenne makes the junior warden's job very easy. Um, and I also want to thank Mike for his tremendous energy and passion for this place and for constantly improving it. And that's all. The next agenda item, I believe, is your Oh, presentation of the 2019 budget. So, Brian. All right, before we do uh, 2019, we're going to do a quick recap of 2018. I've got a treasurer's report in the packet in front of you, but I'll voice over it for your convenience. 2018 was a wonderful year. We turned out to be uh, very favorable, ending the year about $20,000 ahead um, in terms of income minus expenses. So we had a surplus this year, which is a good place to be going into years of growth. So thank you all for your support. That uh, growth came as a result of uh, enhanced member giving. So thank you all, thank you all for making 2018 wonderful. Um, the big story of 2018, as you look through the financials of the actuals in your packet here, um, the differences you'll see from what we planned a year ago to where things actually ended up is we had planned on growing our staff a little bit more than we were able to due to availability and fit and things like that. And so we shifted some of the dollars we'd allocated for additional staffing to doing some of the renovations that you're enjoying here in Mitchell Hall and in the nursery. So uh, roughly an equal transfer over towards some of those structural enhancements going forward. In a moment, we'll come back to 2019. We still would like to get some more staff, and that's going to be one of the biggest things that you'll see going into 2019. But that was the big story of this last year, is the, uh, the shift. Another thing that um, is happening a little bit in 2018 is that we did conclude uh, a lease with our partners, Magdalene St. Louis, I'm sorry, um, Bravely St. Louis. Um, they're no longer going to be using the Gannon House. And so at the moment, we're looking for another partner to continue that support of uh, uh, someone in the community in need and also provide us some rental income on that property. If anyone has any nonprofits that they know they can connect people, please do put them in touch with me. We'd love to continue that into 2019 as well so we can continue that ministry. Um, in general, our cash position and balance sheet is the same as it was about a year ago. We're gearing up for a very exciting financial year with the capital campaign, so i uh, have some uh, exceptions and the caveats a year from now to talk about how we're a little different when we launch into a major renovation that we're doing now. Uh, we had a, a steady continued payments on our white loan throughout last year, so our, our uh, balance sheet is tracking right where we think it should be, paying down the, loan, the one loan that we do have, and we'll probably um, uh, refresh that loan this year if we look up to look into new renovations for the coming year. And also our uh, audit from 2018, or for 2017 turned out perfectly. They say that all of our accounting is in order and we are in good position there as well. Turning ahead to, oh sorry, before I move ahead to 2019, any questions on how we did in 2018? Yes, Karen. Why did, why did the group that was using the Gannon House decide to leave it? 
Yeah, good question. Um, they had a, a, a presentation during an adult forum and they talked about that a little bit, but their strategy has shifted a little bit where they realized that they didn't have the staff to be able to support people at two different locations. And having one person living here in isolation wasn't able to meet all of their needs, uh, both in the logistics of getting the social work support and also getting them to and from the location where they needed to be. So they chose to take to scale down a little bit in their operations and said, keep us in mind anytime it comes available again, but for now we're going to need to close down operations a little bit or scale back before we can continue growing. But relationships are still good over there. Anything else on 2018? Bob? Uh, you previously said that there was additional money because there was higher giving. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Sure. Uh, we had budgeted for a certain amount of giving for last year, and through uh, additional um, additions throughout the year in terms of our membership growing, and also uh, individual members growing and having probably a good year and feeling charitable, uh, we had more contributions than we had budgeted for. So um, we ex exceeded that. Anything else on 2018? Wonderful. Okay. Um, for our 2019 budget, which is probably what we're most interested in as we're moving into the new year, uh, we have a, uh, we're budgeting for a balanced budget, and I am confident that we will exceed that. We try to be a little bit conservative in some elements of it, but uh, at the moment we have a, a balanced budget. We're going to, again, move back towards the goal of having additional staff. One of the things that we are limited by in the, in the near future as we grow and enhance and, and uh, offer more um, services to our members and the community is we're going to be burning out our staff if we keep asking them to do more and more and more. For whatever reason, we can still only get 24 hours out of Mike's day, and that's just not fair to ask for more than that. So we're going to be looking to grow in the future, and we'll talk more about that as we go forward. Um, the capital campaign will certainly be a big uh, financial change in the near future. We're going to try to maintain some of those financials a little bit separately so we can see that an additional half a million to three quarters of a million dollars of spending isn't normal. So we'll try to separate what is normal and what's not normal for you as we go forward. Um, otherwise, I think uh, much of the budget, most of the budget items are just small tweaks from where we've invested in the past and where we've spent money. Uh, so there'll be minor changes here and there where we think we can continue to, to grow into things like the um, laundry love and things like that. Yes, question. Uh, what's the nature of the uh, new staff? What kind of role would... I'll, I'll cover that in my report. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, one last thank you for making my job easy with this growing and generous congregation. Uh, we are in a great position to continue growing and providing for our members' needs as well as the, member, the societal's needs around us. So thank you, thank you. Yes, Donna. So I am the right person to ask. We are working on it. <laughs> um, we are actually working right now to find another partner. Our ideal situation would be to continue to rent to a nonprofit who helps people with housing. And we've been in conversations and with a number of groups and almost gotten it done a couple times, but for their programming needs, they decided that they couldn't dedicate the resources to it quite yet. So if anyone is aware of nonprofits that are looking to expand and looking for a, a, a wonderful neighborhood to house someone in need, uh, please do let us know. But as soon as we can find another partnering group that, we, that aligns in our mission and values, then we'll have somebody in there shortly. Anything else? Thank you.
In June of this year, uh, I, we made the announcement, but you may or may not have caught it, uh, that Shirley Mensa is your senior warden now. And I invite Shirley up to give the senior warden's report. Good morning, Holy Communion. So it's kind of nice to uh, only be in a job for six months and then have the opportunity to get in front of all of you and say what a great year we had in 2018, but that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, before I do that, I have to acknowledge Scott Ferguson, uh, who's rotating off the vestry, which is the only reason I got this job. Um, Scott. Thank you so much for your outstanding leadership on Vestry. I know we're going to hear more about that in a minute, but I personally wanted to say that you will be greatly missed. Your insights, your thoughtfulness, and probably most of all, your sense of humor will be missed at our meetings. Um, I did prepare a written report. It's on page 22. I am a lawyer by training, so I tend to be a little verbose. It's a little lengthy. I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version of that report. Um, first, as you just heard from Brian, 2018 was in fact a great year for Holy Communion. Uh, the record-breaking uh, numbers at our services and better than expected pledge and revenue numbers to me are all clear indicators of our health as a congregation. I said it in my report, but I think it bears repeating that these results are due in no small part to Mike's leadership and to the tireless efforts of our treasurer, Brian Barnhart. Even when things are going great, Brian is that guy who is <laughs> continuously looking for ways to improve the financial well-being of this church, and the results are paying off. So thank you so much to Brian and to Mike for all that you do. So in addition to growth in attendance and revenue, um, and this is reflected in my report, my observations is that we also grew and deepened our commitment to fulfilling our core values of welcome, diversity, and community throughout 2018 around the, uh, er the value of welcome. Uh, just look around you. The renovations to Mitchell Hall and some of the physical changes that you may or may not have noticed that we undertook throughout 2018 help to reflect the commitment that we've made to being a welcoming community. Um, this room, the acoustics are better. The build out of the nursery, I can tell you as a parent of young children, bringing our nursery out of the basement into a prominent space in the church where everyone who walks through the door can see our commitment to having children as a vital part of this church and to having families with young children as a vital part of this church is really important. Other little changes, the smart boards that you see at the entrances that will tell anyone who walks in what's going on in the life of this church, those things are important, I think. Um, this might be not quite the most comfortable thing to say, but I noticed that complimentary feminine products in the bathroom recently, <laughs> all of these things are noticed and appreciated and convey the sense of being a welcoming community. <laughs> um, and I think there's, there's more to come in 2019. Around our goal of diversity, at this time last year, uh, you may recall, 
we said together our commitment to becoming a beloved community. We recited that commitment at the annual meeting last year. And not long after that, at an adult forum in February, you heard from me and Chester, mostly Chester, talking about the, um, the diocese-wide uh, efforts of the Dismantling Racism Commission. And at that forum, we talked a little bit about um, how we at Holy Communion might grow more into becoming a beloved community so that we could reflect uh, the commitment that we made uh, back in uh, 2018. And we made some strides toward that goal. Uh, some of you might have attended the very well attended uh, uh, 13 documentary movie night back in April where our own Rudy Nickens hosted or facilitated the discussion after that pretty intense uh, documentary. Uh, throughout the year, we launched a series of gathering at the table breakfasts where members of this congregation shared their heritage over breakfast. Um, and there will be more to come. Just over the uh, MLK weekend at the beginning of this year, Holy Communion, as some of you know, uh, hosted a dismantling racism training here and members of this congregation participated in that training and became certified. It is my expectation that next year uh, you'll see that group spearheading our efforts as we move forward into becoming a beloved community. I didn't mention this in my report, but uh, our diversity goal also encompasses a diverse music program. And I would be remiss if I did not mention uh, or did not give thanks to Mary Chapman, our fabulous director of music. Uh, the, you know, the breadth and variety of the music we hear on Sunday mornings and at other times of the year, I think, really reflects our commitment to diversity. Um, I know that Mary's report, which is contained uh, in the materials, uh, talks about Connor Scott, our beloved Connor, who uh, left us for greener pastures this summer. Uh, but I, I, we were very sad to see Connor go. But I think it, I think it was uh, Maria in The Sound of Music who said, whenever a door closes somewhere, God opens a window. <laughs> we, we were fortunate uh, to be able to welcome uh, Jay Park as our organist scholar in Connor's absence. And Jay's done a terrific job. Um, a couple Sundays ago, he had a spirited rendition of Go Tell It on the Mountain. And for a minute, I thought I was back at my grandmother's Baptist church in Liberia. Uh, so we're, we're very fortunate uh, in our organist scholar. In terms of community, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, although I could, and I probably should, um, I think that we really deepened our commitment to further uh, developing both our internal and external community. My written report reflects it in the reports from uh, the Godly Play, a Children's Chapel, Laundry Love, um, Barbara Jordan, all of those ministries and those reports, I encourage you to read them. Um, they do reflect the commitment of our lay leaders who are made up of both relative newcomers and folks who have been here for a while. I think that speaks volumes about our church uh, with the widespread involvement of all of you in the most important core part of our ministry. Um, so I encourage you to read those reports because I do think that they really, if you want to know 
what has Holy Communion done, they truly uh, reflect all the incredible work that has been done to initiate new ministries like the small groups. I think that's being spearheaded by uh, Lisa Hayner and Rose Smith. There probably isn't even a report in here for them yet because they're just getting off the ground. Uh, but all of this work that's been done to start new ministries and to develop and expand the existing uh, ministries that touch both on our internal and external communities. And one last word on external communities. Uh, we did continue and I believe deepened our relationship with Christosol in 2018. In October, some of you may have experienced uh, or had the pleasure along with me in hearing from Noah Bullock, the executive director of Christosol and David Morales, uh, legal counsel for Christosol when they visited us here uh, at Holy Communion and then went over and spoke at you know, greater than expected numbers uh, at Washington University's uh, Danforth Center on uh, religion and politics. And so this coming June, members of Holy Communion will be going to El Salvador as we uh, further develop our partnership with Christosol. So like I said, I could go on, but I was told I have a short time frame. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was a great year for Holy Communion, and we can and should take pride in all that we accomplished together as a congregation. But 2018 was also a year of discernment um, for us, with Mike's guidance, as you all probably know by now, uh, beginning in early 2018, the vestry embarked on phase two of our mission and vision process that started over two years ago. Uh, I think of it as mission and vision 2.0. The goal of this second phase of our mission and vision process was to identify ways in which our church can and should grow into our core values of welcome, diversity, and community. My way of thinking about phase one um, was that we committed to talking the talk, right? We came up with our mission statement. We committed to becoming or being a welcoming, diverse community seeking to walk in the way of Jesus and to reveal Christ's reconciling love in our city, nation, and world. In phase two, to my way of thinking about it, we've started focusing more on walking the walk. When we look around at our church, what does it look like for a community like Holy Communion when a welcoming, diverse community like ours walks in the way of Jesus? What does our physical space look like when we say that? How does a welcoming, diverse community reveal Christ's reconciling love in our city, in our nation, in our world? So as most of you know, uh, we embarked on this discernment process to tackle, to try to answer some of those questions. We had listening sessions. We met with members of the congregation. Uh, we did that. Uh, we organized it around different aspects of the life of the church. We met with folks from the choir and the music program, breakfast ministry, building committee, party and prayers, you name it. And in those sessions, we asked members to think about our identified values and to discuss what things were working well, programmatically and with respect to our physical space. We asked people to talk about what things were challenging and then we asked all of you to dream big. What would you desire, both in terms of physical space and program, if money were no object? 
And so following those sessions, the vestry distilled your responses into identifiable <laughs> priorities. And I did give a shout out in my report, I have to say it here to Megan Onder, who she's just amazing with spreadsheets, took all that information, boiled it down, and put it in these fabulous spreadsheets. Thank you, Megan, for your hard work. It made our job so much easier. Um, so most of you already know by now that following the discernment process, the vestry then um, hired uh, uh, Aaron Weber Johnson, who was also our consultant in phase one of our mission and vision process uh, to conduct a feasibility study. And so all of that, that process culminated in the feasibility study that took place uh, in October, so just this past fall. And based on the results of that study, which we've talked about at Adult Forums, 2019 will be the year in which we begin the work of transforming our physical space to better reflect our shared values as a congregation. So I have no doubt that as we move forward with the capital campaign and begin renovations, we'll continue to have the robust and sometimes spirited discussions uh, that we had as a congregation throughout 2018. Um, I do want to, oops, I do want to uh, invite you on behalf of the entire vestry to keep the comments coming, keep the channels of communication open, uh, because that's what we're here for. We have two ears and one mouth, so we can listen twice as much as we speak. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the Eighth item on your agenda is recognition of outgoing vestry. With your permission, I'm going to leave that for my report. Um, and I'm also going to move the, uh, uh, the order of things around a little bit so our bishop can get to the work that he needs to do preparing our confirmands and folks that are about to be rece received. Um, I don't usually have the pleasure of addressing our bishop at an annual meeting, but things just worked out this year. Uh, this will be Bishop Smith's last official visit to Holy Communion as Bishop of Missouri. He announced his retirement and we will be electing his successor later this year. I need to say as I invite him up to give an address to you, Bishop, if it wasn't for you, I would not have ever become the rector of Holy Communion. Four and a half years ago at a protest in the streets of Ferguson, I was standing next to Bishop Smith because I was told by the presiding bishop's office, do not get arrested unless the Bishop of Missouri is being arrested. <laughs> so I stood next to Bishop Smith through that protest and I noticed the group that had come to walk together with Reverend Rebecca Ragland at the protest. Uh, and I asked the bishop, what church is that? And he didn't answer my question. He said, you know, Mike, they're looking for a rector. <laughs> And I said, yeah, but what church is that? I'm not looking for a job. He said, you should think about applying. His advice didn't stop there. And I have been grateful for your patience and your sage leadership these years. Uh, please join me in thanking our bishop as we invite him up to address the annual meeting. Mike, I'm glad that you remember that moment because I remember it well. 
partly because I was so impressed by how many people from this parish were there on the streets of Ferguson. A hot August evening. And I was there and you were there. I'm glad that we all were in place that night. I'm glad that, uh, that Mike was there too and uh, glad for the conversation that ensued. I greet you on behalf of the Diocese of Missouri, which includes 11,000 Episcopalians in the eastern half of Missouri. And the most important thing that I want to say is thank you, Holy Communion, for contributing to that work beyond yourselves. I look around this room and I see people who have been at every level of leadership for the Diocese of Missouri. Some of that is really exciting work, and some of it's just work. Um, thank you. Uh, is there anyone at Holy Communion who is not on the Bishop's Search Committee? <laughs> so there, there's that. It's important work, and I'm, I'm kidding, of course. Um, and I see Joe here, who was on the Bishop's Search Committee when I was nominated and, and in due course elected. But people in this room have served on the Standing Committee. People in this room have served on diocesan council and, and still do. Uh, people in this room have, have been on the Commission on Ministry. Terribly important works for our life together as disciples of Jesus in the larger church in eastern Missouri. I was sitting there thinking that, um, uh, you know, I, I, it's been almost 20 years since I have been in a parish meeting. And I thought, I, I, I kind of miss it. Uh, then I thought, but I don't miss preparing for it. That's the uh, that's the hard thing. And and if you ever if you ever start feeling pity for yourselves when it comes to a a parish meeting, consider this: a diocesan convention is like a parish meeting on steroids. <laughs> So everything that can go well and, and provide energy uh, in a parish meeting, it's there amplified at a diocesan convention. Everything that can go very badly at a parish meeting is also there amplified uh, at diocesan con convention. The last thing that I want to say is that um, being Bishop of Missouri and being your bishop uh, has, has brought me enormous joy. Uh, I came to realize not long after I began this work that uh, uh, being Bishop of Missouri really suits me. There's a sweet spot for me about the people of this diocese, about the geography, about the enormous challenges which we continue to face as as faithful people of God, servants of Jesus Christ, who happen to live in this place. God love you. I know that I do. Uh, and I have been blessed to be your bishop these past 17 years now. Thank you.
last item of business is the rector's address. It's my joy that most of what I get to do is simply thank people. 2018 marked a turning point for Holy Communion. Uh, we've just concluded our 150th year as a parish. Uh, we'll be celebrating that at the uh, celebration on February 24th from 4 on. Uh, we hope you will join us. Uh, we've just concluded that 150th year, and thanks be to God, our church is growing in membership, in children and youth participation, in outreach, in diversity, in impact, in mission, and in service. I have to be honest, this year surprised me. And 2017 was also a year of great growth, and I thought it would be a, we'd reach this year a bit of a plateau. 2017 was going to be a difficult year to top. And I thought if we maintain our numbers for a couple of years, I'll be happy. I told the vestry not to anticipate additional growth. And I'm glad to report I was wrong. This church continues to surprise me. We would not be where we are without the incredible group of dynamic leaders I have the privilege of serving alongside. Uh, I'm going to start with the staff. As rector, I have the privilege of serving with a fantastic team. Uh, Jerome Harris, in most churches the sexton is little more than a glorified janitor. Here our sexton is part of the ministry team. If he's not here on a Sunday morning, the smiles aren't quite as broad, and I know why. Uh, Cheyenne Lavellet, who rightly already received a round of applause, she's ably stepped into the role of Director of Operations. And expanding that role from a role like parish administrator, it's meant taking on managing our building, our communications, the infrastructure of this place, volunteers, and it's freed me and the vestry up to do other work. And I can't think of a better Director of Operations to be working with. Heidi Olive is a quiet force. She's downstairs right now leading Godly Play, a program which has more than doubled the number of kids in our Sunday morning children's formation. This last year, Sally Thomas joined our staff as a doctoral student, and she helped us reach into the U-City schools. Sally made sure that every family in our area heard about laundry love through their back-to-school packets this year, and our early fall laundry loves paid off in that. We had record crowds as the school was getting started. Mary Chapman, as you've already heard this year, greatly expanded the size of the choir and the diversity of the musical offerings, and she did so even after Connor Scott let us know he had accepted another position. Our search for an organist continues. My ministry colleagues, the Reverends Chester Hines and Mark Smith, both bring humor, perspective, and deep commitment to their work among us. We share both of them, sometimes not so willingly, with the work of the diocese. Uh, Mark as the Bishop's Deputy for Gun Violence Prevention, and Chester as the Chair of the Dismantling Racism Commission. And even with all that work that our Bishop has, a, has them doing, they still both bring great pastoral depth and loving engagement uh, to their work as clergy here at Holy Communion, and I'm so glad to work on this clergy team. Uh, as I mentioned at an earlier question, uh, you'll see in my written report, we do plan on calling an assistant rector full-time uh, this summer. Uh, I hope to make that announcement in the coming weeks. Um, but the expanded staff position is to reflect a growing clergy team, uh, to allow our uh, congregation to live into some of the goals that you all set 
to start exploring expanding our worship offerings and serving folks who are not currently well served by church. More to come on that. As a priest, I have the privilege of serving with an immensely talented, engaged, and frankly fun to be around vestry. Not every priest can say that. I won't name each of them, but I do want to especially thank Susan Norris, your junior warden, who has been instrumental in helping us imagine our physical spaces differently. Brian Barnhart, who you've already heard, but I have to say your treasurer has such a gift for charts and graphs and prognostication that he can help even a theology major understand the numbers. <laughs> Shirley Mensa stepped into the role of senior warden mid-year and she has brought such a comprehensive vision to the vestry. Uh, and I'm so glad that your dad told you to accept my appointment. <laughs> she helps remind us to keep Jesus at the center of our mission. Finally, Scott Ferguson. Scott is the only vestry member who didn't run for another term this year because, well, he wasn't allowed to by our bylaws. Scott became senior warden just before I came on as your rector. He was elected by the vestry to serve in the position. And Scott had been part of the team that came to interview me down at Christchurch Cathedral. And from our first conversation, he's been an advocate, a counselor, and an inspiration to me in ministry. I'm so grateful to you, Scott. And know that you're not allowed to go very far away. Um, I'll keep volunteering you for more ministries in the years to come. Scott is one of the co-chairs of our capital campaign. Just ask Gene Parker. You're not off the hook yet. <laughs> But would you all help me thank Scott Ferguson? As I said before, we are celebrating our 150th anniversary this year, and Scott, as one of the co-chairs of our campaign, along with Valerie Wilson and Gene Parker, uh, would want me to remind you that we will especially do so February 24th with a great party at 4 p.m. Our favorite parish band, the Gaslight Squares, who lead us in the New Orleans-style procession Palm Sunday, they're going to be here providing music. There's going to be great cake and food, and this hall will be decorated with photos from our past 150 years, thanks to Lucy Krieg and the Archives Committee for helping us find those. The party will formally kick off our next 150 capital campaign. Because we have done a great deal of discernment and a feasibility study, this will not come as a surprise to you. Those conversations have been incredibly helpful and incredibly hopeful. While we do not need to spend some, while we do need to spend some time, I wish we didn't need to, while we do need to spend some time thinking about our buildings this year, I have been so inspired by how quickly those conversations around the capital campaign have turned to discussions about ministry, how the buildings will empower us to do more ministry, the ministry we feel called to, and how our resources can be used to empower that work together. None of the growth that we have seen, none of the ministries we are planning would be possible without the ministry of each and every one of our members. The most important ministry in the church is the ministry of every baptized member. Um, last year, I inaugurated a new award, the Rector's Cross. The Rector's Cross is intended to recognize two sides of leadership in the parish. And I hope this award allows our congregation to do two things. 
to say thank you to a volunteer who has gone above and beyond the call of duty, and to highlight someone who carries out their ministry quietly without a great deal of recognition. This year, as is fitting, in the sesquicentennial year, the 150th year together, both awards are going to folks who have been fulfilling both sides of that for a long time. Long-time members, long-time volunteers, who have gone above and beyond the call of duty and have done their work with little thought for thanks. The first Rector's Cross Award goes to someone whose welcome is legendary. You would not believe how often I hear this person welcomed me. She invited me to sit in her pew. She showed me where we were in the bulletin. This member has been working to welcome and to help Holy Communion live into its ministry of welcome for over 50 years. She has also helped keep our focus out beyond our walls, helping to organize tutoring ministries and an annual school supply drive. The first recipient of the 2019 Rector's Cross goes to Mary Allen. The second Rector's Cross goes to someone whose quiet service has helped keep this building standing. The air filters change, the light bulbs lit, the doors opening and closing. If we were to count the dollars this parish has saved thanks to his maintenance work over the years, we probably would have enough for yet another endowment. The second Rector's Cross award goes to our longest standing member, Burt Mayfield. As I said last year, uh, that this year we would have an official looking award and a plaque, and I still intend to keep this promise, though I need a few more months. Uh, in fact, I think I even know now where the official crosses will come from. In the meantime, uh, you both have crosses from El Salvador, simple wood crosses to hold on to in the interim. Uh, know in the weeks to come we will be putting a plaque up here in Mitchell Hall, and an official cross will be coming to you, and to Kara Cummins and Martha Bonds, who received the award last year. Let me end by giving thanks to all of you. It is an immense privilege to serve as the Rector of Holy Communion. Thank you for continuing to let me do so. Is there any other business to come before the annual meeting? Hearing none, I need a motion to adjourn. Scott Ferguson gets the motion to adjourn. Gene Parker gets the second. All in favor? The Lord be with you. Bishop, can I ask you to give us a blessing? who are being confirmed or received into the Episcopal Church, please make your way into the church itself to meet with Mark and the bishop. Uh, members of the vestry, please join me for a huddle in the hallway near the sacristy. Thank you all so much. Please continue to enjoy food, and we'll see those of you who haven't worshipped yet for worship at 1030.